0: Welcome back to the Connector Study podcast series, where we explore experiences of doing ethnographic fieldwork with children in three different cities. My name is Melissa Nolis, I'm a senior lecturer in sociology based at Goldsmiths, University of London, and the principal investigator of the Connector Study. I also carried out the ethnographic fieldwork in London. Today's episode is the third in a series of six podcasts. In this podcast, together with my wonderful colleagues, Dr. Christos Parvandagis and Dr. Vinarasan Araldus, both research fellows on the project who carried out the ethnographic fieldwork in Athens and in Hyderabad, respectively, we reflect on the historical contingency of the research, our interlocutors, and our own responses to it. The children who participated in our study were all born around the period of 2008 to 2010. This is because we were explicitly interested in thinking about the ways in which history and biography relate to encounters with public life. At the time of writing the proposal, I had identified the global financial crisis as an important recent socioeconomic and political event in which to contextualize study children and family lives. But of course, as it turned out, this was not the only crisis that has characterized the period between the years of 2014 when the study started and where we are today, the summer of 2018. And of course, the globality of the crisis is contentious. In this podcast, we engage with the historical moment we found ourselves in and discuss what that looked like and felt to us and our study participants in each of the cities we lived in.
1: So, another topic we wanted to discuss has to do with the particular historical juncture of the study. We have uh, started with... The research was designed in order to think about the particular historical conjecture, the financial crisis, that is, in which the children were born. So the financial crisis was something that was ongoing, was something that we took into consideration as a moment, as a time that, in which actually the research would take place and in particular the children were born also. Uh, however, in the meanwhile, because real life and history turns out to be not exactly as you think of it, other things or things in parallel to that happened, other, other big changes or big events in the societies that we were starting. For instance, the coming of power of a radical left party in Greece or the Brexit vote or the split of André Pradesh. We would like to talk a little bit about this, about these changes that mm-hmm. happened while we were doing fieldwork, and how we experienced those through our interlocutors and with our interlocutors. You want yes, to start? Yes, yeah, with I can.
0: I can talk a bit about um, both Brexit and and the sort of the view of the f- financial crisis in Greece from abroad. But if I start with Brexit, I mean this. This was, of course, the kind of unexpected, not just for us, mm. but for everybody, really, outcome of the um, EU referendum. And it was something that was commented on by a number of the families in the studies, the 14 families in London, some of whom were families of mixed European um, national, the parents were European nationals um, living in London for a great many years who considered their home London, as well as other parts of of Europe. And so in some ways, it's, you know, it's moments like that in in research where you you learn a lot about the people that you're, you're working with, as well as about oneself. And I think Brexit within the kind of, particularly if I take the families that were most directly affected, and I think it's important to just remember that I was working in London, The outcome of the kind of referendum vote in London was very pro staying in the EU. And I would say that the majority of the sample in London were pro sort of remaining in the EU. So, within that context, a lot of the conversations were very much conversations of disbelief in the outcome of the referendum, of loss, of grief, of not understanding how this had come about what had happened, and in many ways those kind of conversations I suppose have reflected a much broader national discussion around Brexit, and, and in a way a kind of rupture to what were always assumed identities, so an assumed European identity that is perhaps not articulated as much. Um, and with something like Brexit, it came very much to the surface, both as a kind of... Um, I suppose, a cultural and maybe psychosocial thing, but also in many ways a very practical thing. So one of the conversations I had with one of the children in the study who came from mixed um, European parents or mixed nationals, um, he was very concerned about whether his, and this was a reflection of conversations at the time, whether his father would be able to remain in London and in the UK because he was not a British passport holder because he did not have to... Under the conditions then to hold a British passport to be in London. And this was very much a kind of said in terms of concern. So here we, you know, it's another it's a it's a very live, kind of historically contingent example of a child relating to public life, Will my father be able to stay in the UK. So that's that's one of the things. And then I, I suppose I remember that period of Brexit as having many kind of visceral conversations where going back to what we were talking about earlier, the kind of the identity between the field worker and the person, me in this case, becomes very blurred in that, you know, with a number of the families, it was impossible to, you know, maintain a supposed more detached approach if that's how we think about some field work. And where there were there were angry conversations, not at each other, but with with the situation. Very visceral, very emotional conversations. Um, very much kind of, you know, what the fuck just happened mm-hmm. um, to us, to you, to me, to everybody. And I remember those quite specifically, both in homes and having met parents often outside the home as well and kind of a what just happened mm. and similarly with with one or two of the parents in relation and i'll say much less about this but in terms of thinking about the so-called greek financial crisis and looking at that from the uk but with a huge stake in that and thinking about you know again what the hell's going on yeah. and in the
2: height of it, um, the research was started when the bifurcation just happened so it's the bifurcation of the state andhra pradesh it's it, uh, the bifurcation happened in may 2014 and that's the time actually we we started our research the connectors project the issue of separate statehood for telangana it was ongoing for so many years it has a cultural history Um, Then it was silent for some time. Then it again, it just got erupted. It got triggered um, before we started our research. One year before that, there was intense protest across the state of Telangana. And that actually, so uh, in a way, actually I just encountered that through the project as well. Uh, I got an opportunity to interact with people. In our own research, it doesn't surface much from children's, uh, the conversation we had with children, but it quite often came through parents, the concerns, you know, the dilemma or, or the existential crisis, for instance, mm-hmm. and the differences they faced through this project. So for the first time actually they felt like they don't belong to the place where they've been living for so long. That crisis actually, so that is quite uh, apparent uh, through the conversations people made and, and it's connected to the entitlement as well. For instance, what you are entitled to being a person of Andhra Pradesh or or Telangana. And quite a few people raised concerns about, okay, so I come from Andhra, so I don't get this. I can't put my child for the education Mm. in in Hyderabad or maybe can't get a job. And similarly, people working in government sector and other people, so they've been raising concerns about whether it's a good idea to move back to Mm. Andhra rather than staying in Hyderabad because they're not entitled to get a job, education, Mm. blah, blah. It was quite strong actually, the, and the notion of difference actually it's really surfaced in people's life, even though they speak the same language. For instance, Telugu. Mm-hmm. So they people in both Andhra and Telangana they speak Telugu, but still actually the differences surfaced, and that was quite emotional. You know, even the stories to hear, as well as you said. Yeah, and few people raised, uh, on the sense they shared their experiences during that time as well. For instance, poor our the father in our research is speaking about how he suffered through the course of the protest for an extended period of time. For instance, the essential goods not available at that time. So there was complete disruption of everyday life. And even he has to pay extra money for to take a taxi or to take an auto to go to his work. So it, it hugely affected their everyday life as well. So he was mm-hmm. making a comment, actually, whatever protest or whatever uh, this sort of uh, political protest happened, the commoners, is the, the poor people are always affected. You know? mm-hmm. So that is a sort of sense uh, he had uh, about this political protest. Mm-hmm. It's often found the place um, in everyday conversations other than our research, actually. So when you, when you meet people, when you interact with people, so that was the burning issue, sort of live topic at that time so when I started the research. And still it continues in one or the other way in our research, or mm-hmm. when we meet people in Hyderabad. In
0: mm-hmm.
1: Athens, yeah. there have been uh, several, let's call them historical moments uh, during the time we did the, crisis, we did the research. To, first of all, to understand to understand what it meant having sampling children born in 2008 in Greece in Athens it is although we have been talking a lot about what the crisis is and what exactly does it mean and what tense should we talk about it and uh, are we talking about crisis or one crisis or many crises, and what exactly does it mean But beyond this fact the fact remains beyond these discussions that we have been having the fact remains that the parents who became parents in 2008 just before the crisis and most of them did for most of them this was the first child the child that participated in the research and they didn't know that this was about to happen Mm -hmm. so they entered into a life stage let's say of becoming parents for the first time making a conscious or less conscious decision of they will change somehow their lives and then their life changed in a different way also too Mm -hmm. so whatever imaginations they might have had about how they would imagine themselves being parents were put into a different, a completely different focus. If, you know, one parent lost his job or both lost their job or had to change jobs or had to change houses, as it was the case in many in many occasions than in Greece. So, this is a particular, this is a big issue already for the people there. And it does put parenting into a different light, a different focus by all means. The one of the things I learned through the research, and this is something that we have been discussing about it a lot with Melissa, is that politics is a lively topic, is something that people discuss. People discuss and families discuss, and they discuss in their everyday life and they discuss the everyday politics about the social situation uh, more or less at all times. Yeah. You know, me and Melissa coming from a childhood in metapolite in Greece in the 80s we did have this impression that this is something that is there and children do pick up and children do. Now, after the research, we can state this, you know, (laughs) with a a certain authority as well, that yes, this is something, politics are something that are being discussed within families. And therefore, it was topics of the current political situation would surface also in my discussion with the children. Of course, with the parents and I mean, with most of the parents, yes, we would talk politics after, after a while. We would talk Parenting, we would talk practicalities maybe and stuff like that, sure, but also politics. And this was the case particularly as the momentum towards the elections of 2000, January 2015 was driving at. I remember there was a lot of discussion, a lot of talk at that time, just before Syriza finally came to power and before it came to power, the processes and what people have been discussing with me and what discussions I have seen and what, what things I've heard from the children as well about their view on what this election means, actually. It was a very lively moment, but even more so was the time around the referendum in July 2015. Starting from the moment of the capital controls, that capital controls were imposed, Before that, driving up to that, but even especially at that time, I remember receiving panicked emails. I remember many, many, many phone calls. And this was absolutely normal because at the time of the referendum, the the week before the referendum, and as it was piling up, the whole Greek society was on its feet, let's say. Everybody was just trying to figure out what this means, what do we decide here for, Mm. how daring can one be or not, There was fear, Mm. there was hope all mixed up together and what people did was that they discussed naturally like the big narratives about apocalypse coming from all mainstream media but then there was the the talk the discussion, the everyday discussion and this in a personal level for me it has been an amazing moment an amazing Mm. moment where I talked with people I talked seriously discussed things like class, things like what exactly does it mean that you cannot get your money from the bank if you don't have money in the bank? And, you know, th- th- very basic things, discussing about w- what side one is on, which is something that we don't do. It's something mm-hmm. that, at least since the meta there has been, in Greece, there has been a very, let's say...
0: Dampening, these conversations. Yes, yeah. yes,
1: yes, yes. And it is perhaps also a characteristic of mm-hmm. neoliberalism that once societies like this that we do not discuss on the basis of uh, you know who are we working for what are we working? For, what pay- money do we get paid for? Mm-hmm. This was the moment that all these suppressed discussions took place and quite naturally they took place among me and the families as well. Mm-hmm. And this was I'm grateful for this. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for this opportunity you know of having phone calls with some of the repeated phone calls where they were hungry to listen, you know, to, to listen to opinions. Like, so what do you think about this? Mm. And are you afraid? And what are you going to mm. do about that? And if this happens, what? this was an event, let's say, that gave, because of the momentum it had, and because of this whole sentimental as well uh, aspects that it had in it, I think it, it provided a wonderful opportunity for me to understand, to deeper understand the way of thinking of some of the mm. families, as well as in way more human level mm. to connect with them. And mm-hmm. then connect with me, mm-hmm. to, with some of them at least. That perhaps we share more or less political views, mm-hmm. but through this process we, you know, we came closer, mm-hmm. as it was the case in many relationships in Greece. Of, of course, there were other relationships at the time that completely broke. Yeah? So that was that was a very important moment. And then again, of course, it did find its reflection in. The things I have been hearing from children, not mm. from all of the children, certainly, but this is something that even if you try, you cannot hide from your kids, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, if things were very serious. Yeah. Nobody, no, I, yeah. I think nobody would care about uh, how to hide such discussions, to not talk about these things, to not talk about the fact that I only have 20 euros and I cannot pick up money and more from the bank for this week. Mm. These are things that are pretty serious Mm. and especially if you're stressed and really concerned about what would it mean if Greece would go out of the European Union for example or actually is this the question that is being asked Mm. in this referendum at all or not? And uh, what does hegemony means for the everyday life here i mean these these were issues that i I don't think any of the parents with the exception of two families maybe were who were consciously okay trying to not involve them as much but yes yes so for some of the children i think that the moment of the referendum was a coming of age a coming of age in their relationship with the public life Mm -hmm. and with politics and the political scene Mm -hmm. and what. I think some of the children have seen their parents uh, as they might not have seen them before (laughs) at these days. Mm -hmm. But also the way that this was discussed at the time and the way that it was all over the place Mm -hmm. and in all discussions from the Mm -hmm. media too and similarly to their friends' families, Mm -hmm. I think that for some, at least for some of the children, that was a moment... yeah no, a very very important the coming of age basically yeah. yes one coming of age i think that's a with, really nice yes. way
0: of putting it and it makes me think a little bit also about some of the conversations in london in parental interviews as well where we'd asked you know and we asked this in all three cities you know what events you know either national or international over the last year have affected you and a lot of the parents mentioned Brexit in, in London, of course. But then, what, what that also led on to was conversations about kind of media consumption in the house, mm. and one kind of common was with some of the parents saying that actually they make a conscious decision not to have the news on, uh, whether that's a television or a radio, because it's too brutal. They don't want their children exposed to. You know what's going on in the world um, is too much and I think what's interesting about what you're saying about moments like mm. Memorandum of Understanding, Capital Controls, mm. election of Sousa but then also Brexit in the UK is that it really blows these kind of protective strategies mm. Mm. up completely because these are conversations that kind of that boil over and are very hard, you know, they're, they're not contained and perhaps nor should they be and so that's It's an interesting moment then to think about childhood and public life and the ways in which we do constrain perhaps um, children's relationships or not intentionally, but the ways in which children's relationships are structured and what the sort of cracks are within those constraints and how children then do get access to public life, irrespective of what a parental philosophy might be um, about that relationship.
1: Yes, definitely. It's one of the things that we have realized doing this research. Yes, we've seen these cracks. Uh, Another thing that I should mention about Greece, basically, which is in conjunction conjunction with uh, the events of 2015, basically, and I think even more so in particular with this moment around the referendum where children, I think, were much more involved than they would be usual and maybe much more interesting as well mm-hmm. into what was happening because of these reasons and because of it being all over or also seeing their parents in a different uh, way than usual. So apart from some you know, embedded politics, embedded discussions or even uh, embedded solidarities that children are being part of, yes, so I think that from that summer from that moment that was in july that was july this time this period and that was the very time that the big influx of refugees happened in greece as well this is where it started from and went on no it didn't start there it started from 2014 and it's in many ways not a direct but in many ways it is an outcome of the of the wall that the previous prime minister and the previous government and samaras i think is personally responsible for this has built in Evros, in the northern uh, side of Greece, in the river that connects Turkey, Greece, and basically Bulgaria as well. So this was closed, and when the bigger exodus from Syria started happening around the time in 2014, it found its way through the Aegean Sea. So around that time, where we do have a moment of Let's say a more intense and a more or a moment of starting being connected to the public discourse different than you have been before. You have the refugee thing, which is being understood. I think it, it gets a bigger thing towards the end of the summer. Mm. But it is there, it is happening. People are dying trying to cross the Aegean Sea, or people are coming up where in tourist beaches across islands. So it is something that starts mm. coming, becoming part of the political discourse and of the the everyday discourse basically as well. And I think that this is another important, this is another very, very important, it's a a moment in time, exactly, it's a moment in time, in particular for the second half of 2015 and 2016. And the realization from many of the families that this is, uh, as much as it is a refugee problem or a refugee crisis, it's basically also a reception crisis. And what exactly does it mean, what does it mean politically, what does it mean for the government and how is the government handling it and how would the handling of the situation would maybe renew the trust in the so-called left-wing government that was by that time dissolving into a bit more neoliberal practices as well or how it would induce criticism towards the way it was being handled by the government it was an issue it was a big big issue for the families not all of them were as much interested at it but all of them would be into it because it was something that you just couldn't again not talk about in particular as the uh, refugees were starting coming in the capital as well which was for a quite large period of time and it was quite largely unorganized before like the big NGOs or the mm-hmm. UN, started, you know, trying to get control. But there is always a delay, of course, in such occasions. So there were times that uh, people were, for example, in the Victoria Square. It was not just something abstract, and it was beyond what your political views would be. Mm -hmm. It was there. It was visible, it was there, and you had to deal with it in one way or another. You couldn't avoid Mm -hmm. it. So it was part of the everyday, of course. For some families, it was a really important and life-changing maybe event as well. Because some of the parents chosen to actively engage and, uh, you know, to be part of it, to undertake activist work Mm -hmm. uh, for refugees, either in Mytilini or basically in Athens, in Piraeus, a lot, when Piraeus was used as a camp, as an official camp, so to say. And uh, similarly for the children as well, and in some occasions children were Indeed, also undertaking like activist work themselves, right? And they were take they were going there and they wanted to be going there with their mothers in Piraeus, for instance, or another child uh, takes part in a core that sings for refugee children. It was again a moment in time, it still is a moment in time, basically, that was expect it was unexpected, definitely. It was an occasion through which, you know, me as a researcher, me as a human, me as a citizen could participate in larger discourses as they were developing and see how they were actually on the ground and discuss those on the ground with parents, with children. Mm. Because of the urgency, one, one maybe last thing to say, because of the urgency of the refugee issue, let's say, I had the chance to think about solidarities and solidarity structures in Athens. In Athens, in Greece in general, in smaller or larger scales, you know, because since the coming of power of Syriza and perhaps even a bit before that, there was a lot of discussion about how the social movement, so to say, and how the, social, the solidarity initiatives have been loosening and, loosening and loosening and loosening and loosening and so on. The fact that it is actually these structures and these networks and these relationships that were re-energized let's put it like this when there was need when there was urgency and way before any you know the state or uh, the NGOs or whatever would take part to actively deal with the fact that there are people coming in the source of the islands here and this was a very important realization for me to see how these structures actually can be always there and how Feelings of solidarity as well as structures of solidarity might be more subtle but or might even be invisible, but how in times of need you may, you may have another chance you know, to rethink about how these things work.
0: You have been listening to the third of six podcasts produced by the Connector Study team, where team members Christos Varvantakis, Vinarasan Aruldos, and me, Melissa Nolas, reflect on the historical moment in which ethnographic research with children took place. You can find the rest of our podcast series on our website at childhoodpublics.org.